Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 574 with our review of It Chapter 2. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are talking about It Chapter 2, the sequel to It Chapter 1. <laughs> and uh, this film involves uh, a set of characters... Um, spanning uh, 27 years yep. apart, right? Same characters, 27 years apart. Obviously, the young children couldn't play their 27-year-old older selves, so uh, the filmmakers had to cast uh, adults who they think look like the young children. Mm-hmm. My question to start this off episode off for you, Stephen, is of all the children, who do you think nailed the adult version the best? Who are it best? Y- you mean... Like what, oh, okay, which adult do you think nailed which inhabiting char- which the... character pair of young and okay. old look the most similar? Yep. Not, so you're yeah. you're forcing my hand into praising this movie early on because <laughs> I think by far the best thing about this movie is the casting. Yeah. Uh, in particular, the uncanny way they managed to match the young version of characters to the older version of characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all really good. I think mine would be. A probably a tie between Richie, played by Bill Hader, and his younger self, um, and Eddie, played by James Ranzone. Both of those, I think, are just like uncannily similar adult versions of the younger kids. I, I think Eddie has to win it. Eddie, Eddie just looks exactly like that kid. See, for me, I'm going with Ben, the new kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, they are physically different people. Yeah. But there's something about the face... That he makes he looks as a kid. Fat. <laughs> no, no, it's not that he looks formally fat. It's there's you can even go back to the trailer. There's there's like that like that hey, surprise happy look that he makes as a child. Mm-hmm. They fucking got somebody who can make that. It, it's it's not even that they look the same. It's that the transposition of the faces that they both make feel like that's the essence of that person. And it like to me the whole movie all I could think was that's totally that guy. Okay, that's so him. I'll, I'll I'll give you that though it feels like you're really like you're stretching and <laughs> I maybe if we're talking about if we ignore physical similarity and we only talk about who did the best acting job of bringing their character in line with the kid but is that, is then that yeah just, that guy had the most work cut out for him so I guess he did the best job <laughs> it's not just acting though they're, they're, they're like the something about the eyes and eyebrows and face structure but Eddie come on <laughs> look at that adult and that kid yeah maybe I. <laughs> <laughs> like that is the one where you would look at him and like even if you hadn't seen any clip from it in the last two years you'd be like oh that kid i now remember what the kid looks like from looking at this adult <laughs> uh, honestly he he looked a lot more to me like uh like the the evil dead guy like if bruce campbell would just like was uncannily young looking still <laughs> but anyway yeah casting casting was good i'll say that right up front spot on you can't go and like they're all they're all greatly cast right like jessica chastain i think is a a great choice to play adult bev too like they have some similarities in like their facial expressions as well yeah Um, yeah don't know how i feel about james mcavoy as bill but like i buy it like when they show them fading back and forth like i get it yeah yeah yeah. he he definitely feels like the biggest stretch where they're like we also the weird thing about james mcavoy is because there there are moments in this film where he is like adult and angry, and there's moments where he is like being reduced to the emotions of being a child. Yeah. And I could not 
hear him as the beast and as the kid like i was about to say I, he's the only actor here who has already played an 11 year old when he was <laughs> plus 27 years yeah like just the like when he's like georgie and like just every time i i just hear him doing those voices yeah and like now he, he's like voice typecast for me i i only took two bullets of notes for this review and one of them is james mcavoy can't stop thinking of hedwig <laughs> yeah. so we'll check that one off <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, should we get into what is no doubt going to be uh, an amazing review? Yep. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for It Chapter 2, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead, if it ever comes back, we'll come back to him. We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. <laughs> we can't let it happen again. So that was the trailer for It Chapter 2, the uh, conclusion to It Chapter 1. Basically, in It Chapter 1, there was a scary clown, makes people forget, uh, takes a bunch of children and adults even from the village and feeds off them in his little vortex of horror. Um, And uh, the kids find a way to defeat him. And they all make a pact that uh, because they have discovered that every 27 years or so, um, this thing returns to feed off the people of the town. They make a pact that if 27 years from now, um, things start going crazy again, that they will all come back and help defeat the thing. Um, And the pact was made because apparently Beverly had some vision of them all fighting it off later. Um, So uh, we start this film 
checking in with each of the characters and seeing their awesome lives that they've uh, built being like an architect, comedian, person with money. I don't know. They're, they're all superstars at something. And, uh, they all get a call, um, from their friend, uh, back home who says like, Hey, uh, you need to come back in town cause shit's getting weird again. And they all come back to town and try to take on Pennywise the clown. Um, Stephen Miller, what did you think of It Chapter Two? So first, can I can I roll back? Because I did we ever do a review of It Chapter One? I feel like we didn't. Uh, I feel like we watched it, but we didn't review it. I could have sworn that we had, but I'm realizing now that we probably didn't. Yeah. Um, it must have been one of those times where we were both leaving town, but we happened because because we watched it together. Yep. Um, with some folks from work, and I guess we just never got around to reviewing it. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm going to lead by saying I, who canonically am not a fan of horror movies in general, I quite liked it. Chapter one, um, I thought it was affecting. It focuses on childhood in a way that I found really interesting. It brings out the fear not by making scary things very adult, but by making you very childlike. Right? It puts you in the in the mind of a kid for whom. Everything is a little bit scary, and the world is out of your control, and adults don't seem to care for you anymore, and it kind of ties, like, coming into yourself and coming of age with terror and nightmares and having to overcome your fear of things in a way that just worked really, really, really well for me. I I liked that movie. I was very excited for the sequel because of how much I liked it. Um, And one thing I felt after watching the movie and then reading the synopsis of the Stephen King novel, It, is, thank God the director didn't pull all the shit from the book and put it in the movie <laughs> because <laughs> the book goes some weird places in the a- book. After the first film? Yeah, that, that after the thought? first yeah, film, yeah. I looked it up and I was like, thank God, because the book has this like ritual of chud that the kids do and there's like Native American thing and they do a battle of the wills with it and there's lights involved and it's just going to be like too much. Like good good on the movie for turning it into kind of like a, a straightforward way to defeat the villain in the end. Little did I know they were just saving all that for like an hour of exposition at the beginning of It Chapter 2. Yeah. Um, Jesus. I mean, like, so, so the book is written in like flashbacks where it is always weaving between the older versions of the kids and then the younger versions of the kids. And it like re- weaves back and forth where it has like parallel structure of what they're going through. Right. So the young version of them are fighting it for the first time after he's haunted them. And the older version of them are being haunted in very similar ways and then have to go back and kill him once and for all in a similar way or try to. Um, splitting those into two movies, I think, was great for the first movie at the expense of a dog shit second movie. <laughs> I think this second movie is just not good at all. I think it... it First, it hinges on the idea that we remember all of these characters very well because it's trying to pay off who they are. And so, like, the film opens... Well, first it opens with a rather unsettling, like, hate crime against gay people being used to scare us about this imaginary clown. Um, But beyond that, after that, it basically opens by showing us, where are they now for six fucking people? And then every single thing it has to do, people are going to get a call six different times. Everyone's going to have to decide what to do with the call six different times. Yeah, but some people throw up, so it's different. Yeah, 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 it's different. (laughs) Um, Also, when... When that character throws up after receiving the call, did you not suddenly smell fish and stuff in the theater? Because I out of nowhere, like, he throws up on screen, and I don't know if I was having, like, a stroke at that moment. But <laughs> I, I think was that's like... between you and the guy sitting next to him. <laughs> uh, 
No, I didn't smell anything. Um, but yeah, it, it just it it felt very repetitive. Um, it it has a very formulaic approach throughout the film where it's going to like try to give equal time to each of these different characters, and it doesn't succeed in being equal. But like it structurally, it gives every character the thing they have to overcome and the relic they have to find, and then the thing they have to do, and then they'll all meet together, but then they'll get split even again, and they're going to have to face things again. And it it was just too much for me, I feel. And I think it completely failed at the horror component, which is fine. Like, you can be a comedy. You don't have to be a horror. But they show Pennywise so much in this movie. Like, the cat is just out of the bag in this movie. And they established pretty early on that, like, he is probably not going to hurt anyone through most of this film. Like, the things he's doing to scare them will not be deadly. But he, he, the things he's doing to scare them might not be deadly, but he straight up murders a lot of people. Oh, yeah, he murders other people. Yeah, but, yeah. For, but for whatever reason, we know that our lead characters are, like, probably not going to be hurt by him in the town. But, but Stephen, that, there's a very specific reason for this. It's because he dreamt of them. He longs for them. He missed them. <laughs> so I don't know why Go- yeah, I don't know why Gollum showed up. <laughs> I knew the moment I did it that was Gollum. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I, I didn't find it scary. I found it exhausting. There are scenes like that are supposed to be terrifying that are just really silly and like scenes that are scary at first involving like old ladies and stuff like that they always then go the extra mile into this big cg thing that isn't scary anymore so like, i i still i said this about the first film in the review that we didn't record mm-hmm. <laughs> this the weird cg things i find terrifying hmm. not like i am scared by the movie i'm gonna have nightmares about them but in the moment because they are unreal because they 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 feel like non-realistic things that are actually there, if that makes any sense. Like, I feel their presence, even though they don't look real at all, but their inability to confine to the... I mean, it's a running line in the film about how, like, the thing has to maintain the aspect of the thing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I forget the line. Basically saying that, like, whatever form the thing takes, it has to behave in that way. Because it is taking the form of something that can't behave normally, it freaks me it, like it it's 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 the scary version of uncanny valley for me hmm. where it's like it just feels wrong and that is what is scary to me um there's a very large thing that is like dang that would be scary if that was really like it, it it's me extrapolating to the reality of that thing it's not just me going like well that's a dumb looking dinosaur Right, it's me going like fuck. Whatever that thing is is weird, and it like overrides. Yeah, I'm, the, the... I'm stuck on that's a dumb looking dinosaur, <laughs> <laughs> or Paul Bunyan, or whatever else you want to throw at this movie. <laughs> like, I I think the cast like is game. They do what they can with it, but I feel like so much of this movie is just them having to emote that they don't remember things, yeah. or emote that they feel scared, or emote that they are like remembering how much they mean to each other in a way that is just like making the adults play children in a strange way that I don't understand. And it just makes the, the tone be all over the map. So yeah, I'll, I'll say more when you say how you feel, but this movie just did not work for me on any level except for the comedy, but even the comedy wasn't consistent enough to like justify like two hours and 40 minutes of movie. Yeah. I think that 
Um, the film is overly long, and I think that, as you said, the the construction of the narrative, um, what they're trying to do with the story, is just stupid and boring. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's amazing to me that that like so I didn't I didn't read the book, I didn't watch the television movie or whatever it was or miniseries. Um, I'm just working with these films, but in these films, the entire like idea for this film is. They already defeated the clown once. Now they're coming back to town to defeat him again. They just have to remember. Mm-hmm. And that's the story. But instead, the film spends the first half an hour re-educating us on the personalities of each of the characters and reminding who we saw in the previous film. And then on top of that, they start to go into this thing where it's like, all right, guys, it's been 27 years. I became an expert on what this thing is. And I know all about it. And I learned all this stuff. And you guys got to follow me to do this weird shit. But when I say follow me, I mean go off on your own to individually have some memory. And here's the stupid thing, too. They have to each go off alone to find some artifact from their past that they can use in this thing. Mm -hmm. Some of them go to a place where an artifact exists and then have a experience with penny pennywise others have the experience and then carry back through the experience an object to use in this thing that doesn't fucking make sense because for everyone else there's a thing they go there the memory triggers the scary moment but you can't like so okay one of the things that we've complained about off air is that we don't know the rules of pennywise's power right I have done my best to argue that it is semi-established or to have theories that are not based off reading the book, that are just based off me taking what I see. I feel like Pennywise can control reality um, and so long as you are frightened enough, he has enough power to continue to control that reality. He's Mysterio, basically. Yeah, he's basically Mysterio. Um, And so long as you don't override your normal sense of the fear with some other emotion or reality or sense of something else, you are trapped within that world and he can do whatever he wants to you, right? Mm-hmm. Once the thing dissipates, everything he has constructed dissipates as well. You cannot manifest a paper boat <laughs> and then carry that forth into the world as your token because the paper boat was not sitting in that sewer well. The paper boat was long gone, 27 years gone, mm-hmm. biodegraded, turned into mush, it's gone. There's no rational explanation for why he can pull that paper butt out of this. That's just what I'm saying. Sure. No, not, not at all. And, and that is the thing, too, is I think the, the premise of this movie, or I'll say, like, the premise of the book, as far as I know, I've also not read the book. I, I'm not sure I ever will. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the premise of it is trauma right and like childhood trauma and how it ripples into adulthood and each of these people have things in their life that the fears that pennywise created amplified them but it was their life as is that was already the source of trauma right bev being the most obvious example but all of them either in the last movie or in this movie it is revealed something that they are working through that pennywise served to amplify those fears and now as adults they have to go back and relive them and fight them. And there's a premise in this movie that, like, 
if we don't fight them now, what, are we just going to wait another 30 years? We'll be dead by then, right? That That's the idea. And metaphorically speaking, the idea of that as, like, an adult having to, like, face your childhood trauma head on, like, can be very powerful, right? It's a It's a moving idea, just, like, the kids in the first movie, it was moving, remembering what childhood was like and thinking about, like, this is how fears manifest themselves. As adulthood, it's like, what do you do if you haven't solved the problems of your childhood, right? I just feel like the movie then just, like, squanders that premise completely with things like you said, where, like, the tokens that they get don't have anything to do with, like, a real trauma that they went through. And it doesn't give enough care. Like, certain characters don't get enough time for us to really believe what they are overcoming. Like, the character of Eddie, he's scared all the time, and he had an overbearing mom, and he married an overbearing person. He gets a lot of screen time, but, like, what is his trauma in the language of the movie? Like, I can't tell, except for he's scared of being scared, you know? And and there are other characters, too, that, like, they get a trauma added, but the film doesn't do enough to make us, like, buy it, because we haven't had to live with it long enough to, like feel that it would be good to let go of it like yeah it it just does things and then there's so the first movie i don't know if you remember this but it was criticized because the lone black character mike was kind of given nothing to do right like he did he didn't really get to have a big character arc he didn't really get to like have a big defining moment and then in this movie they decided he's gonna be the one that stays back and does like an hour of the most like zany exposition I've ever heard. Yeah. And then he's still not going to have any personal trauma or anything. Like he's going to be the one that doesn't need to go through anything. Yeah. It it's just strange. He's been going through something for 27 years though, Stephen. Yeah. I don't I also there I I'm going to spoil this because then anyone who knows anything about the books knew that it happened you can bleep it if you want later but the at the beginning of this movie stanley commits suicide he's one of the one of the kids that is kind of like the impetus at least in the book or in the miniseries that's like the impetus for why they realize how serious this is yeah this movie does a thing where like it tries to discuss what he did and why he did it later in a way that i found like actually aggravating like i thought that was like just really 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 dumb and unnecessary um i don't know i I just feel like this movie like there's some pathos somewhere and then i feel like they just like squeezed it squeezed all of the meaning out of it and just turned it into a really pulpy b movie instead and it wasn't fun enough as a b movie for me and it also drained it of like the emotion that i wanted so i I don't know. It, it just confused me. I didn't know what this movie wanted from me. Yeah. I, I I think that situation that you're talking about, the most, uh, we'll say interesting uh, problem with it to me is that he has no rational reason to believe that that would work. Yeah. Well, like, also, he's not supposed to remember shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I, like, let's just say... Let's pretend like you were Power Rangers mm-hmm. and you knew you had to fight some giant kaiju thing. And you were like, if I don't fight this thing, everyone's going to die. <laughs> like, would you reasonably believe that the Power Rangers would be able to fight without the leg? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. I also just felt like this movie... Again, it hinges on this idea that would totally work in a movie that was cross-cutting back and forth between childhood and adulthood in one in one movie that was both parts, right? 
it hinges on this idea that we remember all the kids and their strengths and weaknesses and their dynamic. And so for characters like Stanley, especially, they have to like flashback to scenes that we've never seen before to establish like things that he's good at or like yeah. uh, the, the character of um, Ben also, uh, the formerly fat one yeah, yeah. of like, I can make a fort. Yeah. Oh, you're a good architect. <laughs> like th- that didn't exist in the original movie. Yeah. Like I don't remember anything about his character in the original movie. And it just felt like they're, they're trying to get a payoff of like, look at how these kids overcame their obstacles or used, used what was unique about them for good. But it isn't constructed in a way that can give me that. And it could have been because it was two hours and 40 fucking minutes long. Like, yeah. Cut out half of the times that Pennywise haunts someone and like give me some actual character defining moments instead. And I feel like you would have a much better movie. Yeah. So I, uh, we are talking about the bad things. I do want us to take a few short moments to talk about things that I actually still like about this, sh- this, this, this film and the franchise as a whole. I do think they are able to come up with very interesting imagery. Um, they, yes, there is some really bad CG, including weird little things with baby faces that crawl mm-hmm. on tables. Um, some of that stuff looks really, really dumb, and I can see lots of audiences laughing at it because it's potentially very, very funny. Like it looks like a thing that would be in like a cut scene of Harry Potter of what the people are making come out of their wand. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely weird things like that. But for the most part, most of the things that are actually Pennywise, especially Pennywise in his uh, Super Saiyan form, I don't know what to call Mm. him, um, that looks really fucking good to me. Like, I think that looks rad. Mm. It still might look silly, but like weird, crazy spider clown, I think that looks freaking great. The light things that you were joking about, I think are awesome. Mm. Um, I don't know what they mean. It's really, really dumb conceptually, but visually it is fucking amazing. Well, Chris, they're dead lights that were vomited out of a turtle millions of years ago that created the universe. <laughs> they're thetans? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but no, like there is visually interesting stuff that on some level I'm glad that I saw because mm. – like those images still stick with me in very fun and interesting ways. I think for the most part, the explanation behind those images is dumb as fuck. But like there is there is a shot in this film with two people on opposite sides of a door and on both sides of the door are very different substances and stuff that's happening. That is an amazing shot. I love that moment visually. Mm-hmm. Dumb as fuck. Yep. I don't care about the poem. <laughs> just, they're like that, that is a good example of the combination of a really good visual in the dumbest situation. Yeah. Like I, I, I there, there is stuff in this film that is stuck in my brain because I thought it was extremely cool looking. There's just nothing holding that together to make the film um, feel like it was worth watching. But I still love what they're playing with and like like the the creative team on this film is having an amazing time Mm -hmm. and they are succeeding they're hitting it out of the park for the most part (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i think just the the story and and the other thing too is like so much i went from praising it back to hating it again i know they're transposing things from the book but in the filmic world that we've experienced there is nothing that explains that any of these kids would be massively successful in their adult lives. Right. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So to just start off and be like, I'm a successful movie person and I wrote a book and I'm a comedian and like all this stuff, I was just like 
but how? Like it, it just it felt really weird, cheesy, and hokey to me in a way that like was not a great foot to start this story off on. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'll give I'll give the visuals. Like I think again, the reason I like the first movie a lot is I think the design of Pennywise is quite good, right? Yeah. Uh, I think this movie would be better if more of Pennywise was in shadows. Like there's a scene where he lures a little girl behind the bleachers that I think is exactly movie one level of like, here's what is disturbing about this character. And a great example of like Bill Skarsgård being really good at that character because you, you feel the way he's kind of like enticing this little kid and he's creepy and twisted, but he's like, like it's good. Like there are things in here that are well done. Nobody wants to play with Pennywise. (laughs) And, like, even there, he's doing the same thing he does to everyone, which is he's, like, exploiting the thing they feel bad about themselves. And he's, like, yeah. using that as a kind of, like, hook, right? <laughs> the second film we watched this weekend where a kid was upset about the scar on their face. That is true, yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's so much here where the visuals are in service to something really dumb. Like, like okay, the first scene where we see a thing magical happen to our heroes, to our leads, is in a Chinese restaurant. And to me, this scene is a perfect encapsulation of all the things that like bother me about this movie. Is For one thing, half the scene is spent with them discussing how they don't remember anything while being all like buddy-buddy and rubbing shoulders and stuff and joking as if they're best friends that are reuniting in like, just a way that is not interesting to me. Like It's played like weirdly. Yeah, And then creepy things start happening and you've got like seven fucking people who all have to audibly be creeped out at the same time because they all have to be there so they're like what's it doing what's happening now oh my god what's happening now and it's just drawn out for the longest time and then fucking fortune cookies happen and all these crazy things happen and comic relief is thrown in and then, like, heightened too much when, like, the owner, the, the waitress in the restaurant walks in and she reacts in a way no one would react and they react in a comedic way no one would react. And it, it, it just, like, doesn't know what tone it wants to strike. I, I, like, even, like, the fortune cookie thing, it's an interesting idea. And it could have worked if it didn't take seven adults, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. ten minutes to solve the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I really, I think this is a pretty funny movie. Like, I think Bill Hader is very funny in this movie. I don't know if I want it to be a funny movie, though, because it, it's trying to do something heavy and it's throwing about heavy things like domestic abuse is in the opening, um, like gay bashing is in the opening, trauma is all about this movie and grief and stuff. And like having a character have like a quip to try to lighten the scene every 45 seconds doesn't feel right for this movie. Like and, it, and, it, and it does feel right when they were children. Yeah. Like the fact that they are quipping and stuff to be able to get over, like they're, they're, they're trying to deal with the thing by quipping. Like that works when they're young kids who can't literally cannot handle the situation mm-hmm. as adults. We're supposed to maybe believe that the, the trauma aspect of it is, making them regress back into childhood ways. But, like, the quipping works differently when it's an adult constantly making jokes and everybody's like, dude, just shut up. We're trying to figure yeah. out what, what Pennywise is doing, right? Yeah, it, like, it, in real life, Bill Hader's character would be, like, insufferable to have around in this event because it's like, dude, people are fucking dying. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And the the parallel structure, again, like, 
the ending of the first movie and the second movie are the same ending. They go to the same place. They each have to face trials. They get split up. They learn the same thing. They overcome in a similar way. Watching that again now, like years later, where it's presented as a different movie and as some triumph, like it, it just didn't work for me at all, that ending. Um, though I do think we should end this episode playing that South Park song, Let's Make Bully and Kill Itself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I just think that this movie is hammering home the idea that like you have to confront your fear. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. Confront your fear. Confront it. Confront it. Confront it. But it uses like 13 set pieces to independently convince us of that. And I just, it's just too much. I, I don't know. It's too much of the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm done bashing it. <laughs> Well, should we get to our official verdicts then? Sure. Steven Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Chris, it's been a while since I've gotten to do this. <laughs> I'm going full-on must-avoid. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think this movie, for the talent it had, for the material it had, for the clearly, like, a, the ability to make strong visuals it had... I think this just completely fell apart, and I think it's way too long for a movie that doesn't have anything it wants to say. <laughs> um, I can respect people who feel strongly about this, especially the source material. I know it like means a lot to a lot of people, and it is about trauma and all these things, but I don't think it's on the screen at all, and I just think this movie was a total misfire. Yeah, um, I I still really love the visuals and stuff. I'm just going to give it a pass with a caveat, not quite a must-avoid. Um, there are very interesting scenes, some moments of fun, and some mo- moments of just awesome death lights that <laughs> that do Inception Brahms. Mm. And uh, I can't not enjoy that aspect of this film. That moment was cool. <laughs> um, so I will bump it up <laughs> to a pass of the caveat. Mm. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our review of It Chapter 2. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you that the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can uh, send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to It Chapter 2, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, Yeah, by the time you are listening to this episode, we will have arrived at the Toronto International Film Festival, and we will be packing in a bunch of films, 16 films, right at the very tail end of the festival. Over four days, 16 films. (laughs) I know for anybody who pays attention to this sort of thing, you've seen all sorts of shit up here in your feeds. You know people who have seen films already. We are catching up at the end. Um, but we don't know exactly how many of the things we watch will turn into actual reviews for you. But we are going to do our usual, um, when we can do it, festival uh, set of reviews. Um, so stay tuned to that in the days to come. Um, we'll see how the schedules go. These yep. Some things may come up and get sprinkled out while we're at the festival. 
the rest might come in the week following. Um, but we are very excited and looking forward to it. And hopefully there will be something that you'll be interested in looking forward to as well. <laughs> All right. See you guys uh, in those reviews. See you in Canada, eh? Hey?